Hello, Pompey fans, and welcome to episode 214 of the PO Forecast. It is six points from six since we last spoke as Pompey make the long trip to Carlisle and pick up three points with a 1-0 win before coming from behind to beat Cambridge under the lights at Fratton Park 3-1 on Tuesday night. So Hugh is unfortunately unwell tonight. So um, as ever, myself, Andy, I am joined by the man himself who everyone really tunes into the podcast to listen to. It is Freddie Webb. Good evening, Fred. How are you, sir? No, I am very well, Andy. Yeah, it's the, it's the dynamic duo back once again to do the podcast rather than, well, I can't think of another word, the, Terrible the trio. trio. <laughs> Terrible trio. No, uh, no it's only more positive than that, but yeah, no, I'm doing there, all right. Yeah, there's plenty usual. of words starting with D that can be uh, used to describe us as a two that uh, we probably wouldn't be too pleased with, but I'm sure listeners can draw their own conclusions on that. Uh, I would say DM us, but uh, I mean, I don't want my feelings hurt any more than they already tend to be. So uh, we won't go with that. Dynamic. We'll stick with dynamic. Uh, how's your week, Fred? What's been happening? Uh, aside from football, not very much. <laughs> it's literally my usual. Yeah, Carlisle was real. Enjoyed the weekend with Hugh and Rob. Spent way too long in a pub and then more pubs and then in some other places. But yeah, loved it. And then back to reality on the Sunday and the Monday. Yes, unfortunately. Uh the older I get, the more I realise that reality can really suck. <laughs> I've, I've discovered this as my gas, electric, water bills all come in at the same time and can barely afford to pay any of them. Uh, then rent goes out and then I get to keep about 35p from my monthly wage where I work more hours than I meant to. It's, it doesn't seem overly fair. And then all the disposable income I do have, I chuck into my Portsmouth season ticket traveling down on the train, and then I follow for the games I can't make and paying for VPN so I can watch the games on I follow on a Saturday when I occasionally can't make them at three o'clock to get around the blackout in the UK. I probably shouldn't say that, but we all do it. Uh, at least I pay rather than using a fire stick, I suppose. V- v- VPNs are perfectly legal, so there's nothing to worry about. Absolutely. I mean, I'm imagining next year they'll probably crack down when I follow stops being a thing and all the clubs do their own thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, oh, exciting news, Freddie. Bolton Wanderers TV, £10 refund. I got nine minutes of Bolton Lovely. Cambridge. <laughs> you actually got your money back. I, thought, I, I seriously thought they were just going to keep it. Me too. So I got nine minutes of Bolton Cambridge for free. I count that as a profit, if I'm completely honest with you. I'm t- counting that as a life win. You've got you to get them when you can. But If, if that's a milestone, then good God, where, where are we? Uh, We're in week three of term, Freddie. That's where we're at, which is a good explanation of why I'm so pleased about the little victories because there's still nine weeks to go and it is all kicking in. But uh, yeah, I've I've also discovered now that uh, because I try and watch as much League One as possible, the amount of spam I'm getting from Charlton TV, Bolton Wanderers TV, Oxford United I follow, and they're all thanking me for my loyal support. I don't support them. And... I mean, I'm starting to, I'm going to have to put them in my Twitter bio or something and be one of those people that supports 18 clubs. And I mean, have you don't a want league, to be one of those people. That's exhausting, isn't it? Have a League One team, a League Two team, a Championship, a Premier League team, an MLS team, an A League team, a K League team. It's, I can't even remember what all the leagues are called, Fred, in other countries. But uh, yeah, I'm, most of my email inbox is now other League One clubs thanking me for my custom, which, I mean, I don't know if I should be putting money into the coffers of other clubs as they sign players that we want over summer, but uh, all in the name of research. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, there must be a cheaper way of watching football league without just I follow because the amount compared to other countries, the amount we pay for football is absurd. But there yeah, we are. oh, there is. Yeah, you can get a stick thing that one of my friends used to have who could watch it all for free in a drop down list. I'm just not overly techy minded to do that. Don't, don't, so, don't fancy it being illegal either, to be honest. Uh, well, if you don't want to pay and you don't want it to be illegal, then we're looking at a very small part of a Venn diagram in the middle there, Fred. If I'm honest with you, but. Anyway, should we uh, should we talk about football? I suppose so. On the pod this week, our plan is following essentially the same old uh, routines we normally do, just down one host. So we will start by reviewing the games against Carlisle and the game against Cambridge United. Six points from six. Before we pick up on any Pompey news, so obviously going through our hopes and dreams, ready to be dashed, relating to the the Tom Lowry injury, which we're gutted to see. Chatting through Pompey women who are still top of the league and looking touch wood if they can keep things going on course to to give us a double promotion this year, Freddie. I said it. I said it. I can't unsay it. It's out. It's in the ether. It's still too early. It's going going to be too early until it actually happens. Until the 46th game, yeah. And uh, then we are going to be joined by Matt from the Elm Park Royals podcast to help us preview our game against Reading this weekend and give us a general update. Uh, Reading conceded a 95th minute equaliser against uh, Fleetwood Town last night at the time of recording. And uh, Matt, I well, Matt texted me at four o'clock in the morning as he was getting home from Fleetwood after conceding in the 95th minute. So I'm not entirely sure he's going to be in the best mood of all podcast guests we've had. But a fair play to him for not cancelling because I'd be quite tempted in his shoes. Freddie, Carlisle, um, we're going to kick things off by getting a short soundbite from Lee, who is the Carlisle fan who came on from the Brunton Bugle podcast last week to help us preview the game. And Lee has sent us a short soundbite, giving us sort of the Carlisle response to the narrow 1-0 defeat. So we'll get that out there now, Fred, and then we will pretend to respond to it because we haven't heard it yet because it's being sent to us during the recording. So we will respond to something while pretending we know exactly what was said. Hi Ron, Lee from the Brunton Bugle here, just to give you my thoughts on the game at the weekend. I've got to say I thought it was quite a balanced contest. I don't think there was a huge amount to pick between the two sides. We were probably played as well as we have done for a while, actually passing the ball a little bit, trying to play out from the back a bit more than we have done this season. But truth be told, we didn't really threaten your keeper that much and the stats sort of bear that up, you know, seven shots, only one on target. On the flip side... You guys had 11 shots and only one of those was on target, which was, of course, the goal. And I think that was the one moment of real quality in the game where you split us open. I think our defender, Ben Barkley, actually did a really good job keeping Colby Bishop quiet for most of the game. But unfortunately, the one time he decided for some reason to step into your half and end up about 30 yards from your goal, he got robbed of the ball and you broke really quickly. And it was a perfect through ball for Paddy Lane. And I've got to give him credit. It's a good finish through Lewis's legs, but he was hit so hard he didn't have any chance. So, yeah, you look like that kind of side, I think, that I would say is like going to for promotion that maybe isn't quite at its best, but is able to grind out results. And then that's a really vital thing if you're going to get yourselves up, isn't it? So, yeah, no massive surprise that you guys won the game. A bit frustrating that we've played the team top of the league and lost both games 1-0 in a very narrow contest. But that's the breaks you get when you're down at the bottom, isn't it? Freddie, I would like a long and detailed response to what Lee put together there for us as a soundbite and the Carlisle response. So the Pompey lineup, which is a bit sad to look back on now... Uh, starting with Lowry and Pack 
in that uh, central midfield role. We've got Callum Lang starting. Uh, the kickoff is delayed ever so slightly. Every game matters at this point. I mean, we'll talk in a minute about what the other results meant. Even if we don't play, if one of the other teams lose, it's the equivalent of us beating them because it's a net three-point game. So super exciting. We did play and we started fairly well. It was a it was a slowish start. I think Carlisle had a, a fairly good start with Gibson volleying wide. Um, Jack Diamond hit a shot pretty wide from distance after Paddy Lane had made Pompey's attempt, first attempt to get into the box. And then Kyle, Kyle, who is Kyle? Kyle donates to the podcast. We like Kyle, but Kyle did not grow into the game. Carlisle did grow into the game a bit as the first half progressed. And then I think the closest we came early doors was, was it Lowry having a shot from outside the box that I think Lane there was a chance by there was a, there was a chance by Paddy Lane where he cut into the area and had a shot with his left foot. Was that the one that was caught by the keeper? No, it, it, it trickled wide because Ragger brought up the ball, made a pass to Bishop's feet, who did a one-touch pass to Lane, who then got it onto his right, cut it onto his left, uh, but the shot trickled wide. This feels like such a long time ago. This game. This is what happens when we review two games in a week; they merge into each other. The point still stands that Carlisle grew into the game an awful lot, and they had. The majority of chances in this. I think Pompey had, according to Weisskopf, 0.08 expected goals in the first half. That surprises and, me, and considering no shots that, on target. It was, that includes it was Sean Raggett having a shot from 35 yards. I'm surprised that our XG was 0.08. Yes. When he gets hold of them, you're expecting it to be at least a 0.5, aren't you? Just in yeah. that one chance alone. Yeah. It's almost a penalty, to be honest. Yeah, literally, literally. But no, Jordan Gibson on the right wing for Carlisle did incredibly well. He linked up with Josh Vella particularly well. There was a deflected cross by him that fell to Luke Armstrong, but he just couldn't get his foot on it right in the penalty area. Norris is able to collect it okay. Aside from Tom Lowry's shot that was, was it deflected by Lane onto the post? It, that was following yeah. the corner, wasn't it? That yeah, was, it was, that was a translation. Twisted, twisted his header, twisted his neck a bit and somehow got a deflection on it from a, the shot outside the box and it hit the post. Yeah, it was a very instinctive movement from Lane to do that, to be honest with you. I was, yeah, gutted that didn't go in. But then, to be honest with you, I mean, the way I saw it was it was better than the first half against Oxford, but it wasn't as good as the first half against Northampton in that we weren't really in any trouble. But we also, you wouldn't say that we were, as you just demonstrated with the XG there, we were not smashing the, the front door down by any stretch of the imagination. And I think at, at half time, we talk about other games, Peterborough and Bolton were both one down at half time. And Derby were being held at halftime by, I want to say, Shrewsbury. The, the opportunity was clearly there if we could pick up three points. And uh, thankfully, yeah, second half kicks off. And as we progress into the half, I guess probably the, the key moment in the match, possibly, is Abu Kamara coming on and him and Lane switching wings, which is something we talked about last week as something that Messino likes to do from time to time. I think you brought it up when we were talking about Lang as well. And Kamara comes on to play on the right. Lane moves to the left wing and Kamara, I think it's fair to say that his game against Oxford was quiet in terms of number of touches of the ball. And he did set up one of the goals with a a move forward later on after Lang had come on. But overall, I'd say it was probably one of his poorer games in terms of actually making an impact on the game and creating his own chances to score. But with a couple of games of rest, which I think was well timed from Messino, we've we've seen him blossom since coming on in this game against Carlisle. So 
I think, is it Rafferty that wins the ball back in defence and the ball breaks to Kamara out on the right wing? I think it's Marlon Pack uh, puts in sort of blocking of the, the Carlisle player's run and gives Kamara the space to drive forward. And it looks so simple when it's just one incisive ball. You wonder how there's only one goal in some of these games. And yeah, one incisive ball from Kamara. Lane, we've we've been you know, we sang the virtues of his first touch for weeks now on end. I mean, when we compare his finishing to at the start of the season, it's it's incredible the progress he's made in half a year, seemingly, in terms of his finishing. And yeah, finishes under the keeper one nil. Anything to add? Yeah, Kamara seems to be a player who has a lot of explosive moments in terms of grabbing hold of the game. Like here, even beforehand, when he was sometimes put Harris, he made another excellent through ball, pass three players to Marlon Pack, who then tried to cut it back on the edge of the penalty area, but that was blocked. And he could tell that he wanted the ball all the time. He wanted to dribble and he wanted to make progressive forward passes. And that's exactly what happened with this goal. Rafty did very well with the tackle. But then as soon as Kamara got the ball under his feet, he was off, off to the races, skirted a slide tackle, and then had a lot of space. And then that through ball took out three players, I think. Mm. And then Lane with the lovely finish, he's now got 10 goals this season and he's blossomed so much this season compared to last season. He's improved an awful lot, can play on both sides, has got the mix of creativity and a finishing edge, which you want from wide players in this system. And yeah, Scott Brown must be feeling very foolish for letting him go for pretty much next to nothing. Mm. And it seemed like, a, I know Carlisle had some chances in the first half, Jordan Gibson particularly having a few shots. None of them were quite clear cut. I mean, Will Norris and goal was fairly comfortable. And then from there, it seemed sewed up in a similar way to the Fleetwood game where Bobby didn't have to do with much threat, really. Mm. I've done Joe Rafferty dirty there. He was the player that made the sensible block of a of a Carlisle player as well as making the initial defensive tackle that was a, a really good decision to commit to that tackle. So I'll give Marlon Pack credit for something that he didn't earn on that one, but he's done so well in the last few games. We will allow it. Um, so yeah, as you say, we go 1-0 up and don't really look back. I mean, Shocknessy hits the post with a header. I mean, you could make an argument we probably should score. Pompey... I think towards the end of the game, it's sort of similar to the end of the Northampton game where we just put men behind the ball and see the game out. And yeah, Carlisle knock on the door a bit. They have a couple of corners. Norris looks solid behind them. Norris has had a couple of good games, I think. In I know that some people think he should have done better with the Cambridge goal. But I think considering some of the grief he's got for me unfairly after games recently, he's been solid since he started taking a bit of that flack. So yeah, we get the 1-0 win. And then it turns out to be a really good night because Derby, they do draw one all with Shrewsbury. I was right. Bolton dropped two points, drawing one all with Northampton, who do us a favour, which I didn't give much hope to with what they performed like against us the week before. And then Wickham absolutely destroyed Peterborough. Uh, so at this point, Peterborough, I think, had scored four own goals in two games, which is impressive in a way. But it's classic Peterborough. They try and just score more than the other team score and uh, it doesn't always work out. Anything to add on the Carlisle game, Fred? It was good that Pompey employed a high press throughout this game. Their passes per defensive action was 6.61, which is very, very low. Asat employed a proper high press and they are able to win the ball back a fair bit. They were ahead of all the tackling metrics and everything. And 
I know there was a little bit at the end with a few shots, but Carlisle's total expected goals was 0.29. So they didn't really create that much. And mm. it follows the trend of Pompey away wins where, yes, it's only 1-0 against the side lower down the table, but it was fairly comfortable. Yes, the slow first halves, which, I mean, how long have Pompey sides of different ilks have been dealing with starting slow in the first half and then getting a rollicking at half-time and then coming out and playing a little bit better? That's still there, but they grew into the game, showed the depth in the side with Kamara coming on and being that explosive winger to be able to unlock the game a little bit and then didn't overexert themselves and then shut up shop. It's what sides at the top of the table do away from home against sides that aren't playing as well. It seems a bit clinical and clear-cut, and yes, it always looks nice if your side batter someone 4-1 every week. It's you got get the same amount of it points. Matter. Yeah, you get three literally, points literally. for one win. I know goal difference is likely to play a part, as we might discuss later, because goal difference is looking pretty close for the top three sides with uh, sort of plus 25-ish for all of us, but you get the same number of points. So, yeah, I mean, Carlisle, I'm I'm fairly surprised that they are where they are. From our two games with them, like they were not spectacular in this game by any stretch, but I have seen far worse teams that we've played against this season. And Carlisle are rooted rock bottom of the league with, was it seven losses out of eight or six losses out of seven now? And uh, obviously their game against Burton since has been postponed, so they've not had a chance to put it right. But uh, yeah, so that was just an awesome night. It was basically almost a perfect set of results without going into unrealistic expectations in terms of other teams dropping points and obviously Peter Brew losing. It's just, it was just a great day, really. Um, and then the following day, Pompey women cap off the, the double weekend for the Blues, go away to Oxford United, about 15 minutes from where I am, and Oxford sitting third in the league, and Pompey turn them, turn them over 5-1 away from home to make it 11 league wins in a in a row, which is... Epic, to be honest with you. They sit, yeah, top of the table, 39 points from 14 games. And second team in the league is hashtag with 33 from 14 games. So Pompey are six points ahead, equivalent of seven points, really, because their goal difference is just insanely superior. Um, So, yeah, effectively seven points ahead with eight games to go in that league. And it's quite exciting. I mean, yeah, double promotions potential. That's the dream, isn't it? If it happens the same weekend, I don't know how the fixtures line up because they've got fewer games less than us because they have only 22 games in their league each, each season. But it's just, it's baller, isn't it? They're looking strong this this year. I've watched some of the highlights videos. So again, standard shout out to Ian Chiverton, to Chiv, who um, firstly, great to see him back at football after having a bit of a, a health issue earlier in the season. And secondly, the the quality of the Pompey women vlogs that his little team create are well worth looking at. So it's worth going onto YouTube and going to at Pompey Women Vlogs because they are, yeah, well worth a watch. We'll give it a, a free plug. I think it's important that we highlight it because they are doing equally as well as the men this season. If they are able to secure that promotion, that's just quite exciting, Fred, to be honest with you. So uh, yeah, good on him. We'll keep close tabs on that for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, all the best to Jay Sadler and the women moving forward. We move forward to a quick look through the game against Cambridge. Uh, we see the return of Cassini Yangi from the Asian Cup. Abu Kamara comes back in to start after his impact, you have to say, against Carlisle United. Lang takes a bit of a break on the bench. And I mean, I don't want to jump forward too far, but imagine being you know, two goals down at Pompey on a Tuesday night when you've arrived late because of traffic and then you see 
Callum Lang and Colby Bishop coming on as fresh substitutes with 20 minutes to go. I love that. Anyway, we'll get we'll get to that shortly. So we kick off and there's a bit of a pattern forming here in that, I mean, in this game, we start pretty quick, to be honest, first 10 minutes. But we do seem to go through a phase between that sort of 15 and 45 minute mark where opposition teams tend to go into the side. So it happened against Carlisle a little bit. Definitely happened in this game against Cambridge. They played pretty well for a good 20, 25 minutes of this first half. And Cambridge create a couple of chances. Pert Harris or Part Harris or Piet Harris, however we're pronouncing it this week, uh, seems to change depending on where you look on what occasion. And Yengi interplay well. But then it gets a little bit, yeah, there's a lot of energy for the first 15 and then it gets a little bit, the momentum gets lost. It gets a little bit yeah. flat. It was a lot of good play in and around the midfield. And the players were moving to each other off the ball, but it created... Well, not very much. I don't think Pompey had a shot in the first quarter of an hour. Or it might have been a long-range effort or something. But Cambridge looked dangerous on the break. They're a well-oiled side. I mean, Sully Kaikai on the left-hand side, I thought, was their best player. Jack Lancaster in Cam was very good. He was able to move the ball out from his feet and make some nice little passes. James Brophy as well and Lyle Taylor both pressed Shotnessy and Braggart very well. And it was Jack Lancaster with the first chance where he last onto a misplaced a header from Pack, who tried to get back to Shaughnessy. Lancaster was able to get it, drive to the penalty area, switch from his left foot to his right. And if it wasn't for a, a deflection, it might have been on target there, but it went, it went right for a corner. And then Lyle Taylor had another chance. He latched onto a through ball on the right-hand side, cut into the penalty area, but, but then shot straight at Norris rather than using a tiny bit of hold-up play to wait for his teammates to actually run into the penalty area. So yeah, for all of Pompey's like good little neat build-up play in the first ten minutes, quarter of an hour or so, they created nothing, and and Cambridge looked like the side that was going to go on to the, into the game, and they deserved their first goal, really. Yeah, I think just before we get to that first goal, Tom Lowry goes down off the ball, sort of the back. It looked like the back of his knee to start with, which makes you go, oh no, and it all happening again. But it, I just feel awful for him. Honestly, I'm. we're hoping it's not as serious as it looked. Messino said that he thinks it's not as serious as it looked, which, touch wood, I just hope to be true. I don't know if it was on our pod or if it was on Carlisle or whoever it was I was helping with last week doing the preview for our game where I was saying how much I wanted him to, to manage to not get injured for the rest of the season because I think he's earned it with the amount of rehab and hard work he's done. And you know, anyone listening to this who's gone through serious rehab for an injury knows how demoralising it is at you know, dark and rainy and cold outside and you're just stuck in a gym, training days where the rest of the team are out on the training pitch and you're just stuck in the gym with resistance bands, etc. And it's so disheartening. And he's been doing that for so much of the last two years. And he's come back and has just looked like a diamond for me since he came back into the side. He was that second half against, was it the second half against Leighton Orient. He came on at half time and was the single bright spark in that game for us, if we're being honest about it. And it's just looked good since. So, yeah, sending all our all our best, I guess, to his recovery. And yeah, and to start with, when he came off, Pompey lost that control in the midfield because I know people are a bit frustrated with Larry due to the fact that he is that sort of player who doesn't always go in and out. He doesn't always make the forward pass. So sometimes he keeps on collecting it back and passing it back to the centre half. But the midfield was 
more fluid with him in it, with him and Pat together. So it's another injury to the midfield, and we'll go on to the injury news later on. It's another blow. And yeah, but it was the point where really Larry had been managed back to fitness in six to eight weeks. It's a strange one. You can't wrap him in cotton wool forever, can you? You're going to have to play him and you're going to have to start him. Exactly. So it's, 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 it's a bit of a rough one. We know he's a brilliant player, but if he can't stay fit, then, you know, where's his space? You've yeah. got to think about that, don't you? Even if he's, a, I think he's a brilliant player and I think he would fit into this side. But if he can only play 10, 15 games a season, then then what do you do? You know, it was such a shame. And then Cambridge were able to capitalise on that later on. Yeah. I don't know if it's 100% the right time to talk about what do you do with that. I think our main focus now is let's hope it's not bad. And let's hope he gets back as quickly as possible. And I saw the Messino... If, if, if it's just a little niggle injury, but if it's just like a normal hamstring injury, yeah, I don't think that's the conversation. But if it's a long-term injury, you have to have it. Yeah. And it that would be the same with any player, I think. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's a difficult one. I mean... Oh, I just feel really bad for him, honestly. Such a good player. But I saw Messino took whatever the op- uh, responsibility, the opposite of credit, he took responsibility for it. And I just don't, for me, I don't think he needs to. I mean, you've got a central midfielder. This time in the season, you are playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. That is what it is. And he's only got a finite number of fit central midfielders. Now, he's got to rotate a bit. But if we're playing a four-two-three-one, and we have three fit central midfielders which is essentially what we have or had at that point with um, Pack, with Lowry and with Moxon. If there's two spot, two spots and you've got three players who would definitely fit, then you can't rotate all of them all the time. You can't, firstly, because of the numbers and secondly, because you need some sort of relationship there. That's like the absolute... There's, of, a, there's a balance the between fitness management and cohesion, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think Messino needs to take any... I've, to be fair, I've not really seen him take much flack. I've seen a couple of comments, but I don't think he deserves any flack for that. I think he has to play in this game, you know, play his best side. And he, Moxon's only just arrived and isn't going to have that cohesion yet. He's looked good, but he's not going to have the same understanding as Lowry does, having played a number of games in a row. So, yeah, we then go 1-0 down, headed from a corner. I don't think there's a huge amount to analyse. You might disagree. I don't know whether it crossed the line or not. I've seen... Pompey from, fans from, the the extent, from the extended highlights that I watched on iFollow, the camera behind Norris, so you see his back, it looked over the line for me. It did, okay. But for the I other didn't... for the other angles and from obviously from the back of the fratten end, it looked very tight and it looked very controversial, shall we say. I mean, referee Sam Allison had a terrible game to me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I thought he was incredibly picky. Did he I book the he was, wrong player for our penalty? We'll get to that. <laughs> he booked we'll get, Michael Morrison, we'll, we'll, didn't we'll, we'll he? But I wasn't that. sure that Michael Morrison made the tackle. Yeah, yeah we'll get to that. Anyway, but, uh, so, God. yeah, just to sort of breeze through this. That I mean, I've seen Pompey fans in them that saying that it definitely didn't. I've seen Cambridge fans saying that it definitely did. And honestly, I don't think we're ever going to know because of the way the angles work and the whole ball crossing the line. And as Gary Neville pointed out earlier in, what was it, last season, there was that thing that went meme and viral. It was a meme and viral and him just putting a ball on a white line at different angles. And it was, you know, taxpayers money well spent. But anyway, what we know from that is that you can't tell from an angle, to be honest with you. And I have no idea whether it was in or not. For me, it's now largely irrelevant unless we don't go up because of one goal difference. um, Yeah, we get a reaction and Yangi goes down the other end straight away. 
smashes one just outside, uh, just past the post, past the far post from outside the box, and then we get the penalty. Which, uh, Freddie, I will, I'll let you take the lead on in terms of what happened because, uh, yeah, as uh, it was another example of a referee having a a wonderful moment in a Pompey game. There have been some dreadful League One refs this year, as we're probably about to hear from Matt in a minute. But some of the League One refereeing and some of the League One linesmaning has been just poor, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? Matt's going to fill us in on this, I guess, because I think the Fleetwood goal the other night was about conservatively 36 yards offside. But yeah, Fred, the referee's decision to give a penalty here. Thoughts on the penalty itself and thoughts on the referee's decision on who to book? Uh, yeah, well, it was clearly a pen. I mean, Yengi and Kurt Harris were linking up quite well. I mean, Yengi passed it back to Ogilvy. Lane crossed in. Ball finally falls to Yengi, but it's just under his feet. He couldn't bring it out as much. And then, basically, uh, Ryan Bennett flies in. Ref eventually gives it. One of Jack Lancaster and Jack Stevens, because they were both booked at the same time, one of them was booked for descent. But the other was booked randomly because there were two players sort of in and around Yengi. But it was clear that Bennett, who got booked after five minutes, had actually put the tackle in. So, yeah, the uh, referee, Sam Allison, who has refereed in the Premier League, somehow bottled it, really. If he saw Bennett there, it was a yellow card tackle because he didn't get any of the ball. He would have been given as a yellow on any other area of the pitch. So, no, it... It probably should have been a second booking and a red card, but no, Yengi stops home the penalty and one all going into half time. Quite undeserved for Pompey, really, considering how they play to a certain extent, but no, thank God for it anyway. Mm. And then I guess we move on to just before the break, a little mention for the WWE tackle from Gibbons that the referee somehow thinks is only yellow, even though he pretty much sends Paddy Lane into the next postcode. He makes it into PO5 almost at the touchline. Uh, probably scared some of the fans in the front row down there in the stands. That tackle is worse than some reds that I've seen, straight reds this season, to be honest with you, Fred. I don't know if you agree, but uh, I think it's fair to say he was fortunate to escape with a yellow, I think is the cliche phrase, which means I was actually just yelling and furious and jumping around because of it being such a stonewall red. Referee's just had a mare, hasn't he, really, to be honest with you, in this game. And we're obviously thankful it hasn't cost us any points, but... I think you've still got to critique the ref's performance. And then we get to half time and it's kind of the opposite of the other of the when we were playing Carlisle in that at this stage we look like we might drop points, but Bolton and Derby are both winning. So the pressure is kind of on us in the second half to to turn things up. And then thankfully that does happen. So MPH picks up his first Pompey goal. He didn't have a brilliant first half, but then it takes Cajonas to come out in the second half and put your impact on the game. And it's quite a simple goal. Uh, so Lane, as he always does, does good work. Slots the ball across goal. MPH turns it in with his right foot. It's quite a simple finish, isn't it? Yeah, it was a very nice finish. And uh, yeah, I didn't think Pierre Harris had a very good first half at all. He was misplacing a lot of passes. But the thing that worried me more was the fact that I, it was good that he was making forward passes and passes to link up the play properly but he was basically passing into areas where he assumed a teammate would be running into. Or he thought, oh, I normally make this pass and normally my midfield partner's there, and he wasn't. And he made about five or six of them. And yeah, he he didn't have as much impact on the game as I would have liked. His defensive work wasn't good in the first half either. However, I was incredibly glad that he was able to get his goal in the second half. 
Lovely bit, a bit little flick from Pert Harris to Yengi as well. He actually start, Pert Harris started off the move in the first place and Yengi was again able to get the ball out of his feet and make that pass. He did that incredibly well in this game. A lot of people mentioned that. And MPH, we talked about on previous shows where he has that ability to run on from the striker and be that more attacking, attacking midfielder, if you like, rather than a playmaker. And he was able to make that darting run into the, into the box and slot it home. Excellent goal. And thankfully, it was a lovely bit of creative play that was able to get round Cambridge, who had pretty much sat, sat back in a very structured way. Stubborn, so it was quite wasn't difficult, it? wasn't it? Yeah, you could see what the game plan was second half, I think, making us shoot towards the Milton end second half as well. Michael Morrison's dirty, dirty tactics from an ex-Pompey player there, knowing what we didn't want to do. Uh, but then, yeah, just as, as you say, we go 2-1 up and you're thinking, okay, next goal, Essentially, not next goal wins, but next goal probably decides the tie in terms of whether we get squeaky bum time or not in the last 10 and whether we have to open up and push the game. But um, while we're still thinking that, Abu Kamara does Abu Kamara things. And I mean, for me, it's, it's such a good finish. The wicked dip on it is beautiful. Having said that, I think the keeper should save it. I think his positioning is not great. I can see from your reaction you disagree. Maybe I'm being hypercritical because goalkeeping is what I've done to it ever so slightly lower level than league one ever so slightly lower but I'm thinking I'm saying you could have saved it Andy that's ad verbatim what I just said Fred yeah nice one yeah that's 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 the quote that we can have for our our clickbait Andy should be playing in goal for Cambridge United can't do a huge amount worse by the looks of it but it's a hell of a finish I might be being too harsh there it was a lovely finish and it was actually a good play before the goal as well Shocknessy with the excellent tackle to be able to actually probably to regain possession after the ball was lost. And then Lane picks his spot to pass to Kamara. That's two assists for him in his game. So he's now on 10 and 6. And Kamara just shifted it onto his strong foot and there was no backlift on it, but there was so much power on the side mm. foot. And, the di- and a dip on it as well. Obviously looks better since it cannons off the crossbar, like all goals like that do. And it was great because Kamara had a fairly quiet game. But then again, he's shown in many games like that that he has that little technical edge where you could see him playing at a bit of a higher level because that's a finish that not many players in this league could do. To be able to hit it with a side foot, wicked, to be able to end it for it, to be able to dip into the corner like that. That's the second high-profile goal he scored at Fratton Park as well from distance. Yeah, he's he's getting a reputation for... Just having a, being an impact player again, except for that first half against Oxford, he is not really set a foot wrong, has he? Other than his finishing at times, which has been quite lackluster, but he's getting in those positions, and yeah, so it's a good finish. And from then, to be honest with you, it's pretty comfortable. And yeah, we go three one up, and you see Lang and Bishop coming on, which probably isn't what you want as an op- opposition side. And I mean, we get Facebook memories on the Frat and Faithful page from time to time, and so I see our old team lineups from six, seven years ago. And the depth now compared to what we had back then, it's just, it's night and day. Honestly, you look at the players we had coming on in the 70th minute in those games compared to now. And the squad. James Vaughan, anyone? I thought that was a good signing when we brought in James Vaughan. I was quite excited for that. Having said that, I was also quite excited for Tyler Walker and Paul McCallum. So, I mean, my track record of, of excitement is probably fairly, <laughs> for our, our striking players, is a little bit lax. But, um, yeah, honestly, such an important three points. The teams around us won, Bolton and Derby won. And honestly, the big losers from that game, from that evening, were Peterborough, 
who didn't play because their game was postponed and they've managed to fall back from the pack without actually doing anything wrong on that evening and they didn't get the chance to bounce back from their absolute mess against Wickham uh, the week before. So as it stands, yeah, we're now 69 points from 33 games ahead of Derby County on 63 points from 32. So if they win their game in hand, they'll go three points behind us. Bolton in third, if they win their three games in hand, they go two points above us. But obviously we have still got to play Derby. We have still got to play Bolton. We have still got to play Peterborough again. We have still got to play Barnsley again. I mean, we still got to play Oxford again. Oh, it's all so stressful, Fred. You know the issue? Now we're over 30 games in. It's become realistic. It's not become a pipe dream. And now rather than giving me anxiety on a Saturday and some Tuesdays, it's given me anxiety 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours a day. I sat in the office this morning and I couldn't work because I was stressed and someone asked me how Pompey were doing and I talked for 10 minutes. I was doing cardio this morning and I thought about what it would be like when that final whistle went to confirm promotion and I drifted off. My heart rate went down because I wasn't cycling as hard. 10 minutes had gone past. I looked down at the clock, just drifting off thinking about promotion. And it's made me realise how much I want it and how grim the last 12 years have been in the hole. And now now it's going to hurt, Fred. Now it's going to really hurt. And I have massive trust issues as it is. And this is not going to help if it all goes wrong. Well, that's what you have to just do what I do and just assume it's not going to happen until the last three games. When everyone says, oh, promotion's happening. Like, yeah, I'm still not saying it. Not yet. It's a long way off. There's still too many games left. There's still many good teams to face. Facing a a team in form on Saturday as well. Yeah. Speaking of, Matt has sat there very politely on the call listening to us chat. Absolute rubbish about uh, the end of our game against Cambridge. Uh, Matt, welcome to the PA Forecast. I think returning guest. I'm fairly certain you've been on here before. Uh, I think Alex was on before. Alex Um, has been on this season. Yes. Yeah, was was on previously. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for for having us on. It's nice, not nice to uh, listen to to it on the on on the flip side and uh, the pipe dreams of promotion and everything. It's uh, exciting times for you guys. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. Um, kind of been a, a bit of a different season for you at Reading. So, I mean, firstly, before we get into it, we'll we'll plug your pod. Actually, we'll go uh, Elm Park Royal. So, as you say, Alex came on. Was it three weeks ago to give us? Uh, some information about Tom McIntyre and I just have a it can't be far off that our preview interview about Tom McIntyre was longer than McIntyre's first appearance for us mm-hmm. almost and all we'll see of him this season which is unfortunate but uh yeah so you co-host the Unpark Royals podcast with Alex is that right? Yes yeah yeah myself Alex and uh Paul Mann another uh another we're kind of a trio really and uh mm-hmm. the number of number of guests as well so. Excellent well thank you for joining us uh before we get onto the game this weekend it's been a bit of a season for you, I think it's fair to say. Probably on the higher end of the more dramatic than you want it to be scale. Let's start with on the pitch. Have you got out of the habit of going two goals up and then getting dizzy and panicking <laughs> and losing 3-2? Because it seemed to become a theme for a little while, including a game against us. Has that has that sort of been cut out now? Yes, yeah. It, it, the start of the season was just... I think it's hugely frustrating on so many different levels because I think it was it was the culmination of so many different aspects for you know the first three months really you can go back to you know the summer where there was essentially 
a two-week pre-season because sellers hadn't, hadn't been able to come in because of all the financial difficulties and everything that then impacted the start of the season. Um, sellers, to his credit, did say back at the start that, you know, because of the lack of pre-season and the lack of um, ability to do things with the squad in pre-season, things will get better in the second half of the season. Whether that was delay tactics or whether he did generally think that, I guess is up for debate. But I guess the proof is in the pudding. Things have got a lot better really since really since Shrewsbury, where we were 2-1 up in that game in the 91st minute and then managed to lose that game by the 96th minute. That game as well, we we played very well. We changed shape for that game um, and things were looking better. Um, it was a really fluky loss. That and since since then, really, um, I think it's a run of, I think it's about sixteen games or so. We've only lost twice in that. Um, one of the big differences is that the team is learning more how to grind draws out. Um, because previously, if we weren't winning, we were losing, and we were losing in catastrophic fashion. Um, you know, last minute goals or just getting blown away. Um, the team seemingly is a bit more defensively coherent. David Button, as well, to his credit, has done a bit better um, of late. He was a bit of a car crash, really, for the first um, few months of the season as well. He's not turned into any world beater, don't get me wrong, but you know, at least he isn't dropping the ball at the feet of the strikers every other game, um, which is an improvement. It's <laughs> um, a low uh, bar there, Matt. It, it, it is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of become a theme at Reading FC of late, um, having, having low bars to... Um, uh, to, to 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 try and beat but but yeah there's there's been a lot of things that have come together on 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 that front and I think one of the biggest things really has been the reaction to the January window um, because obviously we've had all the ownership issues through through well multiple seasons obviously come to a um, fall really this season um, losing key players obviously over January um, the squad still seems together they seem to have more belief now than they really ever have done um, and hopefully they can kick on from here and just keep this going. The one problem, as was kind of shown against Fleetwood in the week, is just how paper thin really this squad is. You know, there's kind of 11 starters that on paper are a very good starting 11. But behind that, you're probably talking, you know, that low league to national league, you know, level of kind of um, starting 11. It's it's kind of that that thin. So one injury can really cause cause a crisis. I swear I'm getting as a Pompey fan PTSD whenever I heard the word injury, but we'll <laughs> we'll move on from there. But no, but Reading is sixth in the form table now out of the last ten games. Four mm-hmm. wins, five draws, one defeat. Lots of very good attacking players in the starting eleven that you mentioned. One of them, Femi Aziz, mm-hmm. looks like an incredible player and, is, and has come out of nowhere to a certain extent. And I like Sam Smith and Harvey Nibs. Both have played and scored goals at this level before. Has Reading basically been focusing on the offensive aspects of this team to actually get results? I think it'd be fair to say that, yes. Reading play a very kind of high-press sort of sort of style as well. We like to press high, we like to set traps, we like to win the ball high up the field. Um, and we've been very successful kind of in that, especially over the last last 15 games or so. Um, I think in, in in the stats, I think we're second in the league of winning the ball in the final third or the opposition's final third. Um, up with the likes of, you know, yourselves and Stevenage and the like. But I think when you've got players like Femi Aziz, like Sam Smith, Harvey Nibs, Lewis Wing as well, I guess it gives you the ability to kind of do that. Our back line is still very, very young as well. 
and we kind of we kind of know that you know Tyler Binden is 19 Amadou and Bengay 22 um Cal- Kelvin Abreefill is playing right back in the week I think it's about 20 Mola 21 or 22 I think you know it's it, the core of the squad is incredibly young still um and especially at the back so you kind of know and anticipate things are going to go you know wrong at times um just by virtue of the fact that you know they don't have the experience of 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 you know a, a Tom McIntyre or Tom Holmes that we obviously lost in January but on someone like Femi Aziz he was the amount he's come on this season has been so noticeable um even at the start of the season I mean I think um I think I said on our podcast kind of if he if he was a if he was a cat he would have been dead long ago with the amount of lives that he used up really staying in this team but something just clicked with him around around again that November time um, really started to influence the games. Seemingly is able to create a lot more space on the wing, but has the confidence to actually shoot um, and actually has the ability to back it up and the belief in himself to then go and do it, which has been a big difference. And kind of we talk about players being confidence players. I think Femi Aziz is kind of a, a real example of that, really, when you look at how much he's changed and developed this year. If we look at your last couple of games then, I mean, you say about losing, I mean, you lost some good defensive players in the January window, but then you only conceded one in the last three games in the league. Mm-hmm. And that includes you know, a 1-0 win away against a pretty decent Stevenage team, albeit one slightly out of form now. And then a 2-0 win against Charlton, who, I mean, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet for 19 games or something, but they're playing us in 10 days' time. So that'll that'll come because we just, we don't beat Charlton. It's just one of our traditions. Uh, it's kind of like Turkey at Christmas. We just don't beat Charlton. It's one of our things. And then you, yeah, do you want to talk us through last night? Because I wasn't sure what your mood would be like, Matt, because, I mean, you WhatsApp me at 4.19 this morning, <laughs> which I'm assuming is when you got back from Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. And I looked at your game after Ask finished, and I feel a little bit bad because when I looked at your result, it was, or what I thought you was, was your result, 94th minute, 1-0 up. And uh, I texted you this morning something along the lines of, oh, I'm glad that was worth the trip, which now knowing that they scored in the 95th minute could have come across as a little bit passive aggressive. And if we're being honest, a little bit dickish from me. So thank you for not taking it that way. How was last night for you? Talk talk us through it. <laughs> well, it started off brilliantly and terribly because I had a fantastic fish and chips before, but I did lose half of it when I tried to go from a bit of fish to a chip. But yeah, it's classic. Yeah, it, it it was it it was disappointing. It wasn't the greatest game. A draw probably on the face of it was fair. Um, you know, I think we probably rode our luck a little bit at times. Um, Fleetwood really came at us in the last, you know, ten minutes. Um, but when you when you drive over five hours to then in quite terrible conditions up there to then lose to a goal in the ninety fifth minute that was I think, as you guys said a few minutes ago, was kind of, you know, five yards off, maybe not five yards, but it was a good two, you know, one, two yard offside. It's just a bit depressing. It's a bit frustrating. Um, we've had worse losses through the season, um, especially late losses. We've had a lot of them through the season. Um, maybe it's because we got a point this time and didn't get nothing. It kind of feels a bit bit different. Maybe it's the confidence kind of that the fans have really in this team that makes it a bit different the feeling um i think most fans are still content with a point like yes it was disappointing because it would have put us up to i think about 14th or so um in the table but i guess you know with league one refs as you you guys well know 
things will go against you and you'll probably get some that go for you, you know, in a few games time. Um, that's just what it is in League One, you know, and with League One officials. So yeah, looking maybe... at where Reading are now, are you confident the side staying up then, given that there's this run of form? I mean, you've got Port Vale, Shrewsbury and Carlisle after us. Yeah, surely mm-hmm. if you win those three, you're you're safe. If you're not, well, you're probably not yet, but if you win those three, you're surely sorted league position-wise. Yeah, I think I think most fans are kind of saying, you know, five wins, five wins keeps you up, or you know, four wins and three draws are going to going to keep Reading up this season. I think the the benefit we have is that a lot of the games at home we've got, like say coming up as well, are at home to the teams that are kind of in and around us, or just above us, or just below us. Um, you know, yes, we've still got to go to Carlisle away, but I'd rather be going to Carlisle away than you know one of, one of the teams really in that mix because you'd rather have them those games at home, the the, the games which you can really kind of you know, cement your your safety in the division. I think definitely the last the last four weeks really, I think there's been a lot more confidence within the fan base that that we can stay up. Um there's obviously external factors that might look to destroy that. But, you know, I think certainly with what's on the pitch, as long as the team can stay fit, you know, we can keep um the likes of Sam Smith, Lewis Wing, Harvey Nibs, Femi Aziz all fit. Um, it's a big if, but if we can, I think you know th- this team has enough to stay up. If two of, of one or two of them get injured, it's a different story, you know. And I think Sam Sam Smith has been playing with shin splints of late. He didn't play in the week because of that. For me, uh, for me, sorry, Andy Yeardham, our right back and captain, has had some knee swelling issue, I think, as well. But as long as we can keep keep those players fit, I, I, I'm confident that we can we can stay up after this run. So how do you think Ruben Sars will set up a fratten part then? Will he go for the high pressing style of football which suits the side, or do you think that he's going to change it a little bit in some way, personnel wise or tactically overall? Um, well, Seth Sellers has been someone since he's come in. He's always said that every game that we play, we're playing to win, um, which has been refreshing after some of the some of the managers we've had had before um, that shan't be named, but. I can I can kind of anticipate he'll stick to that. He'll try. It might sit a little bit deeper, but the same kind of traps and pressing traps with you know three three players kind of rushing in and trying to win the ball on the halfway line or from the fullback out wide um, will will stay the same to kind of how we've how we've played th- this season. Fatigue might come into that. Obviously, it's been a been a long week for 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 the team having to go up to Fleetwood, coming back now going to you boys, but. I can I can anticipate that we we still try and do that. How successfully? I guess we'll see on Saturday. But but I can I can see us still playing that kind of high press, trying to win the ball high up the field. And then I guess it would be remiss of us not to mention off the field stuff. Uh, I think obviously there's going to be a, a range of responses in any fan base. But I mean, we were saying to Alex a few weeks ago, as a whole, Pompey is probably one of the less sympathetic fan bases. I'm imagining you've come across this season. You're going to have people listening to this on both polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of full sympathy and full enjoyment, to be frank. And then most people sort of scattered around the middle of that, somewhere between the two. Uh, can you sort of give a, a quick update as to yeah what's happening off the field? Has there been any development since we spoke to Alex a few weeks ago where he didn't sound too confident? Or are you just focusing on staying up? And then I, I've seen, I mean, I follow the... the sell before we die stuff on on twitter that uh i know you guys have a an interesting role in as well so yeah what what's the the, the lie of the land for you at the moment 
Yeah, so Nigel Howe was brought back into the club. Um, he was kind of there previously when there was apparently some deals on the table and some were close to exclusivity, but then he was kind of shipped out. Dayong decided that, you know, I'm going to change the goalposts and try and screw over the, the, the potential buyers as much as possible and then ended up obviously with them all, all withdrawing and then being left with the club and nothing on the table. He's been brought back in to try and get a sale. It certainly seems like since the pitch invasion that, He's set on set on selling. Whether that comes through or not, nobody really knows with Dai Yong because even though he's got people trying to do things, we've been in this situation before. You know, we, we, we've got to the point of you know um, Ginevra Associates being pretty much on verge of exclusivity. Him then just to decide, no, I'm going to change the goalpost, try and change that that this element, that element, ask for more money, bloody bloody blah. There have there has been notable interest. I think Nigel Howell mentioned there was about six potential buyers or potentially seven. So hopefully the proposals that they had have got to die young um, and we might be able to talk a bit more positively in a few weeks. But when he said that, that was three, about three weeks ago, I think. Um, kind of, I guess, when Alex probably spoke to you guys um, and nothing's happened or nothing's been communicated since. So... It's just a waiting game. I don't think any Reading fan is under any illusion that, you know, we might be able to sell the club tomorrow and it will be hunky-dory. Um, I think most Reading fans just just want it to end, though, just as quickly as possible, to be honest. I guess, as you know, you guys firmly remember from 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 your time really going through it. Do you see the EFL potentially stepping in if the goalposts keep on moving, as you say? Because it seems like every month they randomly send out a presser saying how cross <laughs> they are and how much they yeah. dislike Dai Yong and, and how much pressure they're going to put on. Do you see them, if it gets to extenuating circumstances, actually doing anything there? Or is it just a case of not having any control at all? Yeah, I think I think their hands are tied to an extent anyway. Um, you know, they've they floated around punishments that they wanted to do on previous hearings. They recommended to the um, IDC that, that they wanted Dai Yong to be expelled as an owner which would basically mean he'd have to sell his shares within within i think it's 28 or 30 days or so that wasn't taken forward that's the only thing i can really see that they would do but how much that would actually help the situation apart from get to a point of well he's not sold after 30 days what do you do now do you take the club's license away do you do you have another berry situation on your hands you know I don't know how much help that would be because seemingly this is a guy that doesn't doesn't care for fines. Every fine that he's been stumped up with with the EFL, he's kind of just pissed on and chucked in the bin. Um, you know, he's not somebody really that seemingly can be forced out of the club. The only thing that really has seemingly turned his turned his opinion is kind of, I guess, his image in the media, and that's, I guess, why we've really tried to hammer home on that side of things with with the with the sell before we die campaign um but but yeah it's it's a difficult position for the for the EFL you know they get stick um you know rightfully so in some areas um but i can't really see how much they can really actually do to force a sale through because at the end of the day Dayong owns the owns the club and the company really at the end of the day so yeah yeah i mean from an outside perspective it looks brighter than it was looking but i don't know how much of that is tinted by the results on the pitch that are probably skewing it slightly. But I mean, I know that a lot of Pompey fans aren't too fast at what's going on, but you don't still want to see a club going out of business, do you really, to be honest with you? And I mean, if, if you went out of business, who's, I mean, every time we play you, who's going to be saying on BBC, oh, guess who's got the, the highest scoring Premier League game of all time, <laughs> which we hear 
15 times every time we play against you. It wouldn't be a statistic anymore. So, mm. yeah, wishing you all the best with that, Matt. Um, I know you guys are quite heavily involved with it. Just for Pompey's fans' knowledge, I mean, you don't tend to do stuff at away games, is that right? So tennis balls and such, like, other than the Eastley game, which yeah. I know you did because it was on TV, mm. we're not expecting anything this weekend? Or is that a lip-sealed, can't really say? Yeah, no, uh, like the, the the Eastley game was, was an exception just because of the coverage, really, yeah. right? You know, we, we we were able to do stuff, you know, with with with, with national attention um, and got some good good coverage off the back of it. We're respectful of kind of the the grounds that we go to, and you know, we you know that there might be some chanting, but that 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 will kind of be be it. I'd uh, I'd anticipate. Awesome. And you sold out your away allocation, haven't you? So is it, is it yes. two thousand fans you're bringing down? uh yes yeah yeah i think it's just under i think is the is is is, is the away allocation oh, also awesome. but yeah yes yeah, it's, it's 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 around that so uh so yeah it'll be the entire milton end then so it should be a good atmosphere hopefully i'm sure it will be <laughs> hope we'll try and keep you quiet <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah looking forward to the game then what we'll finish with your prediction i guess so what do you see happening on saturday and can we have your prediction of any goal scorers please oh dear me you can, you can um... give heart and head as two separate answers if you like Oh, I'd I'd love to say that I could predict us a draw or or a win, but you know I think you have got to be realistic of kind of where where the two clubs are at the moment, and kind of how they're playing. You know, you guys on fantastic form at the moment, really since that kind of New Year blip that I guess you guys you guys had. Um, if you could give me a draw now, I'd snap your hand off. But I think realistically, it's probably going to be two one two nil. Sam Smith, if he plays, um, you know, he was out in the week. We don't know if he's going to be back. The team's massively different with how we press up front with him up top. Um if he's not playing, I could probably see a two nil and um uh probably a, a, a Colby Bishop goal is uh is probably inevitable in that, I think. So um so yeah I'm gonna go with that, I think. Here's hoping. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for your time and for sitting patiently on the call while we chatted rubbish. It's very much appreciated. Uh, do you want to give your pod, Twitter, etc., a final plug just before we finish this section of the, the PO forecast? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Elm Park Royals at EPR um, uh, on Twitter, also on Facebook, Instagram. Just, just, just a general fan-led podcast. We're, we're, we're not, we're not media people. We're not kind of media trained or anything. We just, we just like to kind of give a nice fans insight to all of our, to, to all of our Reading fans and kind of. Um, any other fans that want to come and come and listen so yeah if you want to keep up with with everything um for for epr um or sell before we die um go give obviously sell before we die a follow over on twitter as well to keep up to date on that side of things um but uh but yeah thanks for thanks for having me on today awesome thank you matt beautiful thank you matt for coming on the podcast hugely appreciated good to get a a view from the opposition as always there freddie what news do we want to go through, Freddie? Anything else we want to do before we get to uh, match predictions and the end of the pod? What have you? What are you bringing to the table here? There's only a couple of small bits. Um, it came out of news today that Messino is considering recalling Harry Jewett White from Havant. Obviously, plays at centre mid, played in the youth levels of Wales, has had a bit has had a better run with Havant recently. But due to the fact we've got now two fit out and out centre midfielders, bringing him back on loan, back from loan just as cover might be the best thing to do. Andy Moon mentioned in his musings that essentially return, players returning from injury, Ben Stevenson, potentially expected around March time. He hasn't heard anything concrete, but that's what he's speculating. And Tino Andrin, he spoke to him 
in one of the recent games where Tino was present because he's still doing his rehab at Chelsea. Tino looks to be potentially being back training for Pompey and available selection also around March time. A bit of caveat that some things could go one way or the other, so those players may not be back as soon as like early March. But that's like the the brief outline of the returns for those, both those players, and both those players can play centre mid. That still leaves many weeks left where Pompey are just relying on the two centre midfielders. Obviously, Shotnessy has played at centre defensive midfield before, so can come back in again. It's still incredibly tight. I think it was also mentioned of Miles Pitt Harris also playing deeper, but then you'd have to play Lang in the attacking midfield role, and then you got no, nobody really behind that either. So yeah, that's that's where we are really in, in terms of injuries. It's still not pretty by any manner of means. Indeed, it's a classic Pompey season, but hopefully with a different ending than the last few. I've been enjoying seeing. Um, on a side note. The hashtag United videos I watch, they play against teams like Bonga, Bonga, uh, Bogner nowadays. Bonga, that sounds a lot more interesting. <laughs> I'd go to their games. Uh, no, they've been playing Bogner and teams such as that. And it, I think it was Bradley Lethbridge scored for them, sorry, against hashtag a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago now. And in that league, I just keep seeing names popping up on opposition team sheets against hashtag like, oh, yeah, I saw you play in the EFL trophy and 2017 and, and it's quite a nice little throwback for some of those names Freddie I guess the last thing for us to touch on today is a, a really cool project that we've heard about from the Pompey Supporters Trust that's being announced this week uh, so by the time the pod goes out this should have been released so this is kind of a, a call for responses from our listener base actually so uh, Donald Vass has been in touch and obviously we've got the the statue that's gone up recently outside Fratton Park which I mean, I enjoy walking past it. I think it looks excellent to to commemorate Jimmy Dickinson. And basically, the PST are looking at creating a more modern mural, a street art mural, going up nearby the stadium before the end of this season. So fans of the club are going to have the opportunity to vote on which players they think should be featured as part of that mural. Uh, It's a survey that the Portsmouth Supporters Trust or the Pompey Supporters Trust will be running and uh, it'll be a chance for the PST to get supporter opinions on a number of topics, including which more modern players should be part of this sort of modern art mural to go alongside the more traditional Jimmy Dickinson statue that has been so well received outside the ground. So this is something that we will, I guess, talk through our opinions on who should be on that mural next week, but we'd love to get some listener responses too. So Drop us a DM, drop Hugh a DM, drop myself a DM, drop Fred, Freddie a DM. And yeah, let us know which Pompey players from the last, last 10, 15, 20 years you would want to see commemorated permanently outside the ground as part of this mural. There's no need for any funding from the fan base. The PST have been given funds to pursue this, which is just awesome. Um, and we are going to be putting the link out for fans to do the survey on the Pompey News Now Twitter page. We're going to be posting it on the Frat and Faithful Facebook page, on the Pompey News Now Facebook page as well. And it's a really exciting opportunity for Pompey fans to have a say in what you see when you come to Fratton Park on a match day. So we'll discuss this when Hugh's back next week in terms of what we think. 
And uh, yeah, we'd love to have some some listener opinions as well. So we will put a couple of Twitter questions out between now and next week's episode recording to to get your views. But drop us a message. Let us know who you want to see commemorated in the latest PST project outside the stadium. It's It sounds really positive. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what we come up with as ideas on that one. Uh, anything else, Fred, before we wrap up with predictions? No, I think we're going to go to... Uh... Our, our, our uh, score line and goal scorers. Wonderful. In which case, would you like to please hit me with your spread? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a high-scoring game because I still don't believe that Reading's defence is very good, but they've got so much going forward and they caught Pompey on the press a few times in the away leg. So I'm going to go for a repeat result. I'm going to go three two ports of win. I'm going to go with. Cassini Yengi, because I think he's going to play at some point and he's going to get a goal. And then a brace from Paddy Lane. And then I'm going to go with a brace from Harvey Nibs for Reading. And again, I don't know to know what the payout on that is. I think someone tweeted me one, one of my ridiculous predictions before on Twitter with um, putting it in the bet slip. And I think it was something like a thousand to one or something. But there we are. And did it come in, Fred? You're no, like, of course it didn't. No. Funny that. Unbelievable. If anyone's using us for betting tips, that is how you make a net loss over the course oh, of Oh, never. Game. No, never use me for predictions or betting at all. You'll yeah. lose all your money. You lose your money anyway, gambling. I I, I know very well. But yeah, don't, don't make it even worse by, say, by taking into account what we say. God. I have found a really good way of guaranteeing that the teams around us drop points on match days, though, and that is betting on them. So I'm quite willing to sacrifice £2 a week on an acker if it means we go up. So I'm going to continue doing my actor that includes Bolton, Peterborough and Derby all winning. And that never comes in. Trust me, it doesn't come in. So I'm going to keep doing that because it guarantees that we make, assuming we pick up points, we make a net gain on at least one of them every week, which uh, I think I'm willing to take that hit for the Pompey fan base. Cool. In terms of my prediction, Fred, I mean, Reading haven't lost by, or they haven't had more than one clear goal in their games very much recently. I think it's like twice in the last, I think twice in the last 10 games or something, they've had either a win or a defeat by more than one goal. So the games tend to be close. There's a lot of two twos, two ones, one nils. It's, there's never a huge amount in it. So I do think it will be a Pompey win. I'm hopeful it will be, but I'm, I am thinking that it could be a bit of an issue. Harvey Nibs, I do rate going forward. If wing is playing, I rate him. I'll go with the uh, I'll go with a three-one Pompey win after I've just given it the big in about not being two clear goals. Uh, yeah, we'll go with a three-one Pompey win. I'll go for Lane Yengi and Kamara with Bish getting two assists. That's the the prediction I'm hopeful for. So we'll see how we end up. Great, let's wrap it up, uh, Freddie. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. The dynamic, devilish. I don't know, dehydrated. Duo. Yes, we're back again. And thank you very much for to listeners for listening to the show. We also had the uh, the extra out this week. Uh so if you plug, plug. <laughs> yeah, so if you want more so if you want more Pompey episodes other than this one, you can also listen to that as well. With the dulcet tones of Jack Hancock joining you, which I'd listen to him do audiobooks, genuinely. I'd I'd pay him good money to read something like Pride and Prejudice for me to fall asleep to. That could be a that could be where we put our buy me a coffee money towards Jack Hancock analysis audiobook service. 
You're not even bothering to we, unmute. We really it now, need we really need to think of something better with it. At the moment, the buy me a coffee man is just going to server costs and everything. It is indeed, yeah. Uh anyway, ending on finance. We know how to keep an audience riveted. Uh Freddie, lovely to chat. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not seeing you this weekend because you are unfortunately working during the Reading game, I believe, which is rubbish. But um I will see you for I'm not doing Charlton because I hated it last year. So I will see you for the Oxford game at the start of March next. Yes, I, I will be at the Charlton game because I don't have that. I, I have that weekend free and most get tickets. So fingers crossed we break that voodoo curse Mate, somehow. I've never had a good time at the Valley for obvious reasons. I, I need to give it a break. I need a break from it this year. I hate it there. It's a horrible trip. It's a horrible ground for me. There are no happy memories. We always lose. Um, but... Join us for more positivity on next week's preview show of the game against uh, Charlton Athletic in a, a week and a half's time. So, yeah, Fred, lovely to chat. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, congratulations for making it to this stage in the podcast. We'll speak soon. Have a wonderful week. And, uh, yeah, we'll see lots of you on Saturday for the game against Reading. So, until next time, play out Pompey.